Hello, my friends. Tina Anderson. Tina Anderson, OC. Life in the groove. Life with levity. Just a good life in general. That's what I'm all about. Levity for sure. Got to have that. And honestly, if you can't have a little lightheartedness, things are just going to be a lot tougher. That's what I have come to realize in all my years thus far at 52 years, which I recently celebrated not too long ago. Another birthday. So grateful for life, for health, and for being able to wake up every day surrounded by uh, people I love, people that love me back, things that I love to do, and uh, just so many blessings. I hope you feel the same way. A couple shows coming up, and I think you will really enjoy both of them. Now, one of the great things about social media is who you meet. And I have met some very interesting people between Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. Daniel Vitalis is a guy that talks about rewilding yourself. Call him the cosmic shaman. And he really talks about going back to your primitive self. And it's, it's a really cool concept. So this is the interview that I did with him on Life in the Groove. Next segment, I will be featuring Dr. Cynthia with your vibrant heart, restoring health, strength, and spirit from the body's core. What I love about her is she focuses on, unlike most doctors, Eastern and Western medicine together, which in my opinion is the best of both worlds. That comes up on our next segment, probably in a little less than a month from now. Right now, let's dive into rewilding yourself with the cosmic shaman himself, Daniel Vitalis. Thanks so much for listening, guys. And don't forget, TinaAndersonOC.com for everything. Tina Anderson, everything and lots of fun, great videos. Talk to me. I want to hear from you, okay? Welcome to Life in the Groove, first of all. Hey, thank you. Where am I? Uh, where are we talking to you from? Where are you? I am up in the northeastern corner of the country in Maine. Oh, wow. Okay, well, I hope that uh, the weather is decent. I hope it's not too cold because <laughs> it's been crazy across there. But anyway, uh, so as I was just saying, guys, one of the ways that I don't think we really think about our health or uh, who we are is really think about genetic makeup or the DNA. Or We, we do talk about our genes, and we oftentimes blame <laughs> where we are on our genes. I know my kids like to uh, like to bug me sometimes about that, and they always, when things don't go right, they go, it's your fault. <laughs> You're the parents. Um, and then when things go right, of course, it's, it's never us. But bottom line is, I don't think we really give a whole lot of thought to our ancestry. I have, but uh, that's because I have a really interesting combination with, with my parents. But our ancestry, how that could or should affect us, are we taking advantage of what we've been given at birth? You know, every little cell and the, and the uh, mitochondria in our bodies that are regenerating and working to keep us healthy. Do we ever really think about that? Because we don't see it. That's the problem. We see our biceps and we see our, you know, our chest muscle and we see our abs, whether we like them or not. But we don't see the insides of our bodies. So, Daniel, um, I love that you talk about uh, life aligned with biological design and rewilding yourself. I don't even know quite how to describe you um, because there's so many facets to what you do. But I want to read up a quote that I took off your site, and then we'll go from there. And this is what he's saying. I've come to believe that all strength, all vigor, and all vitality emanates from the wildness of a thing. The further down the path of domestication we travel, 
the more maladapted we become. Our health degenerates, as does our will and our sense of purpose. That is a very dramatic statement. Uh, I love it. So let's talk about what you do and what that means and why you put that out there. Well, you know, about six years ago, I started publicly teaching on the topic of nutrition. And my interest has always been in what's like natural food for a human being, because it feels like, you know, knowing that we're a type of animal, homo sapiens, we're a type of great ape, we must have some kind of natural diet. And that was my interest. I was trying to uncover that. Over the years, that's really evolved into me developing this concept of rewilding. And the idea is basically, if we're going to try to be healthy, if we're going to try to be vigorous, if we're going to try to live lives filled with purpose, it might make sense for us to understand a little bit about our biology, where we come from, and sort of what our species is adapted to. And what I've really come to understand is that we're living a mad lifestyle. When I say mad, it's like an acronym for maladaptive and degenerative. Right? We're living a maladapted lifestyle. In other words, we're living a lifestyle that's not aligned with our biological design. And so there's always that sense that there's something missing, or there's always that sense that there's something wrong, and we're trying to figure out what it is. But if we look back at our history and we look at how our ancestors live, we start to realize that, oh, almost everything we're doing is sort of backwards for what's natural to our species. And therefore, the more we do it, there's no amount of doing unnatural things that's going to lead us to better health or happiness. But we keep trying to, and it seems like the fundamental taboo of our civilization is to really look at ourselves as a species. Instead, we always want to kind of imagine ourselves as like some kind of, you know, angelic thing rather than sort of a more like ape-like thing. seems like our fundamental taboo. So I like breaking that taboo and looking at us as a species and really trying to figure out how can we put strategies in our modern life that help to replicate what's natural for us so that we can have that full expression at the genetic level and really have that full robusticity that our ancestors had health-wise. And so let's start with how you do actually kind of rediscover that aspect. It sounds like a very complicated and difficult (laughs) thing to do in modern society. Well, I think the first place that really makes sense for people to look is at their food, right? And there's a huge renaissance around this right now. So I know as I'm saying this, this isn't new information for people. People are starting to really look at diets that are aligned with us biologically. One of the things that becomes most apparent when you study this information is that we changed our diets dramatically about 10,000 years ago. Our species is estimated to be 200,000 years old, so for 190,000 years, we were living in incredible health. Just so people know, that idea of a caveman sort of dragging his wife by the hair, wearing the like asymmetrical you know, loincloth, that's that flintstonization of ourselves that we've been sort of inculcated with since our youth. That has been disproven again and again and again, and what it turns out is that all around the world, people live for 190,000 years with the mastery of fire, with the mastery of tool making, with beautiful clothes, with healthy bodies, with perfect teeth, with no cavities, with great bone structures, with no cancer, with no heart disease, with none of these degenerative diseases we see today. 190,000 years we lived with really optimal health. Now, of course, it wasn't a utopia. But the health was much better than what we have today, and people worked a lot less than we work today. People had a lot less stress than we have today. But about 10,000 years ago, something dramatically changed, and we started farming. We started domesticating plants 
and animals, and inadvertently we domesticated ourselves. And the moment we did that, we start to see changes in our bodies at the genetic level. We see that our brain case shrunk, our brains shrunk. We see that our bones begin to develop arthritic conditions. We see that in our skeletal record. We started getting dental cavities, and we started getting dental crowding because our bones don't even form properly anymore. And what we started doing was living off of primarily off of grains. Now, there's a huge resurgence around this right now. People are realizing this, and people are moving to a more paleolithic-style diet. And that's one of the biggest things we can do to start to change ourselves. And the wonderful thing is we have a new science called nutrigenomics, and it shows us that our gene expression is dramatically influenced by what we eat. And that's very empowering because that means you're not trapped with the gene set that you were given. You express genes based on how you live. And a big part of that is how you eat. In fact, up to 30% of your gene expression is influenced by the plant foods you consume. When you say that, though, do you mean, at, let's say, for those of us in the room like the, that you're talking to, we're, we're, you know, I'm like, you know, 20, but no. <laughs> but those of us that are a little bit older, we can still have an impact on, we, you talk about the impression, but we're, we're obviously adults versus a, a child or, or even, a, a, you know, a baby in the womb. What's the difference? What do you mean by that then? Yeah, great distinction. That's a really great distinction. So um, I, what I don't mean is that, oh, I want a smaller nose. I'll eat something and that will change my gene <laughs> expression. <laughs> that's not what I mean, right? So your, your height, no. Your nose shape, no. That's not what I mean. What I mean is we're hearing all this stuff like, oh, so-and-so has the breast cancer gene. She should get a double mastectomy preventatively, right, because she has the gene. But it turns out that the gene isn't just this gene that's always going to express that way. The gene can be turned off or turned on. And what turns the gene off or on is our lifestyle. In fact, everything we interact with, you are this great, you're this amazing adaptable being. Essentially, anything you're coming into contact with is influencing your gene expression. When we live with clean food, when we drink clean water, when we breathe clean air, when we get healthy amounts of sunlight, when we, we have good moods, these things influence our genes and it starts switching off all these self-destruct genes like these genes that we know are implicated in cancer or in digestive problems or uh, immuno issues, uh, they start to be switched off. And when we live a lifestyle that's really um, uh, antithetical to our natural way, we start to switch on these self-destruct. It's almost like, you know, sci-fi movie, like body will self-destruct in 10 minutes, right? We start to turn those kind of switches on, and we can turn those off by living healthy. And it doesn't matter what age you are. In fact, I mean, now all anybody has to do is start Googling around, and they're going to find documentary after documentary after documentary of people who cure themselves of these stage four cancers by switching over to a healthier lifestyle. So we know that that's possible. Even okay. late stage disease, we know it's possible. Let me just stop you right there. That's fascinating. I did read about a gentleman that went to Greece and ended up curing himself of cancer. Um, that's a different Well, maybe we can, we can touch on that. But I want to come back and just continue with the nature deficit disorder you mentioned and so much more. Uh, Daniel Vitalis, Life on the Groove. You guys, good stuff. you got to stay with us. We're back in just minutes. Daniel Vitalis, we were talking about the future of the human race. I know that sounds sort of scientific, but if we are affecting our uh, genetics and our genes and our DNA and all that, what are we doing with all these electronics in our lives? Are we d heading down a really, you know, bad path here to <laughs> self-destruction? That sounds terrible, but you know what I mean. 
I think it would be good if we stopped and asked the question, right? It'd be great if we could just stop and ask the question, but there's such a taboo against questioning the direction our civilization's going. And our civilization is on an infinite growth paradigm. So the thing is, is that it has to continue going lest it collapses. So we keep moving forward and we're not asking what does happen to our incredibly slippery, incredibly adaptable genome. The thing is, is that you are constantly adapting to everything you do. In other words, whatever you do, you're getting better at it. If you're sitting in a cubicle right now, what you're doing is you're adapting us as a species to being better at sitting in cubicles, right? If you're sitting in a car right now, you're getting better at that. If you're spending time outdoors, you're getting better at that. We get better at whatever we're doing all the time. That's the nature of us. I often joke with people, I'll put up on a slide a picture of the sort of classic gray alien icon, and I'll say, what is this? Let's examine it. It's got the big head, which means it's got a bigger brain for better social networking. Right now, our brain can only handle 150 friends. Facebook can handle 5,000. We need a bigger brain. It's got big, like, sunglass-like eyes because it's better for looking into light-generating screens like iPhones. It's got long fingertips that are long and spindly. Wouldn't that be better for texting? Uh-oh. I don't right like now, where this is going. Fingers hit two letters at a time. It's got a really small waist because its digestive tract is really tiny, barely any mouth there because it eats just processed food. Its skin is gray because it never goes out in the sunlight. It has no genitals because it reproduces. Oh, wait a second. (laughs) Who do we want to become? Do we want to become hive-minded kind of gray alien humanoids? Is that the direction we want to steer our evolution? That's obviously not going to happen tomorrow. And it's a bit of a joke, but it's not really a joke because we're so adaptable. We can take ourselves in that direction. It's called transhumanism. And that's what we're doing. And I think that we need to stop as individuals and ask ourselves. This is why I say rewild yourself. Because I'm not saying that you have to go live on a wild landscape. I'm saying start to ask yourself who do you want to become and what lineage do you want to pass on to your children, to your grandchildren, to your great-grandchildren. We need to start asking that question, and we need to start doing things right now in our lives, right now, that reconnect us to ourselves, to our nature, and to nature. So that's what rewilding is about. It's like, hey, how, what can I do today? to promote my humanness and not my roboticness. What can I do today to adapt me more to the planet that I live on? Because we're adapting ourselves more to like spaceships than we are to Earth, right? What we're doing right now is like teaching ourselves how to live sort of outside of the planet in a little virtual reality, in a bubble. We still go outside to walk to the car or we walk around (laughs) the manicured park, but we don't actually interact. We, We might as well be living in the biodome. Right At this point, we're not really interacting with nature, but we can change that. We can do different things. We can start to live a little bit differently. And it just takes kind of, you know what, it doesn't take a list of rules. It really just takes a, you know, or or my strategy. It just takes kind of opening our eyes up to this information. And a lot of things we can do will become obvious overnight. Okay, so we're going to come back, you guys, for one more segment. And we're going to get into what you can start doing to change. 855-892-9606, toll free, tinaandersonoc.com for Twitter and Facebook speaking of all of that and I just want to mention too that if we have time I have to share with you my experience because you know I'm I'm half Peruvian so I've been to Peru four times and um, I have I feel an interesting situation that when I go to Peru which is my heritage I feel like I belong there and I don't know if we'll have time to talk about how that phenomena could possibly be real when you really connect with your heritage in a good way I don't know but it certainly happens to me when I get off the plane how to rewild yourself how to rewild yourself Life in the Groove in Minutes. 
I love this topic today, you guys. Those of you that feel like you live in kind of a little box, you never push the boundaries. It's time to rewild yourself. And I'm not talking about doing shots again or, you know, passing the bong around. That's not what I mean. <laughs> I mean, not like college wild. I mean, uh, getting out and touching uh, nature, what our land is made of. Daniel Vitalis is talking about that. We, if you missed it, <clears throat> where have you been? I will have this up on a podcast so you can hear about the previous conversation we've had leading up to this point. Daniel, which is how do we start to get wild in today's everyday craziness? How do we do that? Yeah, I, first I just want to say I love what you just said because we have such a taboo against wildness in our culture that even though it's a biological term that refers to organisms that live in nature, we also use the same term to describe people getting crazy, haywire, disheveled, into trouble. We think that wildness is associated with a lot of things that are bad, and that's a huge mistake, but civilization sells that idea because it needs to sell that idea to keep us thinking that civilization's offering us something better. And it's really, really not. We see that when we look at indigenous cultures. They work an average of 14, 11 to 14 hours a week to procure their needs. We're working 40 plus. Mm. All right, so I'm going to give a few strategies that you can use to rewild yourself in your day-to-day life, in your modern life. You don't have to have a teepee to do this. The first, we talked about the four <laughs> elements before. We're going to start with earth. With earth, I want you thinking about food. If you're buying your food at Walmart, I want you to start thinking about organic food. If you're already buying organic food, I want you to think about all organic food. If you're already eating all organic food, I want you to think about the farmer's markets where you live and getting good heirloom food. And if you're doing that already, start thinking about maybe growing some of your own food, or if you're super adventurous, you can learn a little bit about foraging, going out on herbs or wild food walks in your local area, and learning about the plants where you live. That's a tremendous adventure and really, really worth doing. It's an amazing hobby. The second piece is water. I want you to think about the water you're drinking. Tap water is not potable water. You can drink it and survive, but you can't drink that and thrive, not unless you're on a really good well. So when you turn your faucet on, I want you to think about that water as not really being fit to drink yet. You need to look at good filtration. And remember that those, Brita, those Brita-type filters or those pure-type filters, those aren't really doing it. They just remove tastes. You want something better. And if you're real adventurous, you can forage your own water. I have a website called findaspring.com, and that will show you where you can find a spring in your area where you can actually go to the earth and get water that pours out of a natural aquifer, clean, ancient water. Uh, the next thing I want you thinking about is the air in your house, in your workplace. If you're starting to nod off every day, if the air feels stale, if it feels like all that air's already been breathed, it's because it has been. You've got to open your windows. You've got to open some doors. Look at getting plants into your house. This is how NASA figured out how to detoxify the air in the shuttles because of all the plastics that were outgassing in there. They figured out that plants will eat the formaldehyde and other things right out of the air. Get plants into your house. Look at an ozonator or ionizer for your air. That will freshen that air up and make it feel more like fresh air, and you'll be more alert, more awake and more vibrant, you'll thrive more. And the last thing I want to say about this is you got to get out into natural sunlight. As much of your skin as you can expose uh, to the noontime sun, the better. And remember that your body stores vitamin D like it's a, in your liver, like as if your liver was a bank and vitamin D was cash. You store it up to make it through the winter. So it's important you get enough sun exposure during the season so that you can store that up. And all these ideas about the sun being toxic for us and bad for us just takes a minute of reflection on that to realize that there's something wrong with that theory. We require sunlight to thrive, so we want to be getting that. We want earth, water, air, fire. The last thing I'll say on this whole topic is think about having five bodies, a physical, an emotional, 
a mental, a spiritual, and a sexual. And you need all five of those parts of yourself to stay balanced. Physical, we need to move, we need to exercise, we need good sleep. Emotional, we got to bust through these emotional hang-ups we have culturally where we're not expressing ourselves and we're not learning how to... You need to develop your EQ, learn how to communicate what you're feeling. Intellectually, we need to read more, learn more, talk more, communicate more, more efficiently, more effectively, learn to use our vocabularies again, watch out for the text newspeak. Spiritually, you've got to have something spiritually going on in your life. If you don't, you're going to always feel a little bit empty. And sexually, this is the big one, the big taboo. We've got to live more open, more free sexual lives. And when we look at our ancestors, we see that they had a very different sexual life than we have today. Ours is one of repression. Theirs was one of much more openness. And if we're not feeling fulfilled in that part of ourselves, we're always going to feel like something's missing. So we need to balance these parts of ourselves the way that our ancestors had. And we've got to remember that society today, our culture, it's not our friend. It's not our friend. It's much more of a factory farm. It might be a free-range factory farm. But it's a factory farm for people, and it's not set up for our health. We have to do something different if we want to have different results than what everybody else is getting. Wow. Um, you just made a lot of friends, especially guys, I think, right there. They're like, honey, did you hear what Daniel said? No, I did a podcast on sexuality saying, you know, all the advantages to um, orgasms for men and women, especially men. So I've already I've covered that, and all my male friends are so happy. And all my female friends are like, what I are would you hope doing? your female friends are no, just No, they're fine. I told happy. them. I said, come on. get out, Come on. Really? Uh, where did we find you? Uh, for more good stuff. Find me and there you can find access to my store, surthrival.com. That's like the word survive and thrive together, surthrival.com. Um, and you can find, um, findaspring.com. We'll lead you to fresh water all over the world. It's a really valuable free resource. And it's V-I-T, <clears throat> V-I-T-A-L-I-S, by the way, you guys. Just so, because sometimes it's hard to, to figure that out, Daniel Vitalis. And you can always find him through me as well. And I know you've got uh, so much more that you could offer. And you've got great podcasts and all kinds of stuff on your site. You guys will spend like an hour reading through his things. I picked up a couple things about um, drink different uh, tea, for example, and walk barefoot and find your feet again. I, I took that off. That's just a couple tips I'm going to remember. Even though I do drink tea, it's just, just reminded me. So you'll get little uh, bits and pieces there. And um, I think the overall concept here is that you're just helping people to reconnect in a way that is helps them to live stronger, but in a way they probably haven't thought about. So I love that. Thank you for all the work you're doing. It is, uh, it's fascinating, and I'm all about rewilding and, you know, walking barefoot and having sex. I, I'm sorry, I, mean, I don't know. <laughs> I'm just saying, to me, that sounds like a much better way than being punching words out on Facebook all day. All right, guys, um, toll-free, 855-892-9606, talking to a Harlem Globetrotter. They're in town. And uh, hopefully someone that can talk a little bit about the uh, Winter Olympics next week as well. I'm going to answer one, a couple questions that have come to me um, through some of our other conversations. Until then, make good choices, set appropriate boundaries, find something to laugh about every day, manage your stress before it manages you. And this is Tina Anderson reminding you to live your life in the groove. And we'll catch you next week. Go get wild.